Folks, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. It's minor prophets. If you if you want to go to Psalms, you just work your way forward a few books and you'll come to Isaiah. We're going to go to chapter 7 today in Isaiah, and we're going to talk for a moment about the call to faith. Now, as you're turning there, let me let me just kind of uh, express something to you. You know, it is Christmas, and we're involved in all the festivities, and we're interacting with family. You know, like uh, Lori and I, we we gathered with our with her family yesterday, and we had all of our family there. But Maddie, Maddie is not home this uh, Christmas season. She's actually going to be spending it. She's probably with my mother right now down in Mississippi. And so that's that's new for us, not having somebody home for Christmas, but I guess we're going to have to get used to that. But Christmas is that festive time of the year, and, and things are going on. But yet, in the midst of all the festivity, life goes on, right? And so if you watch the news this morning, there was some earthquake, tsunami thing happening over in Asia somewhere, and people dying, and the chaos of the world continues on. You know, and it used to be, I can remember when we were younger, that that kind of chaos really didn't even affect us very much. It was just the news, but we have our own kind of chaos that's going on even around us now today, don't we? Chaos is happening in our homes. Chaos is happening in our economy. Chaos is happening all around us. And and we wonder, how do we deal with that? And and then, But yet, in the midst of that, we got Christmas going on. We got festivities, and so like today, uh, we're going to do the crazy thing today, and that is, you know, when we get home, we're going to get in a vehicle, and we're going to go shopping in Dubois. Like, are we nuts? Yes, we are, okay? So, because we've got a coupon to spend, okay? You know how that is, ladies? You got to use that coupon, okay? So, how, how do we... Where, where does this come together? The festivities of Christmas, but yet the chaos happening in our lives. How, how do we deal with that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today, because actually, to be honest with you, Christmas, from its very roots, all the way to Isaiah here, from the initial prophecy, has a lot to do with the chaos that's happening. Has a lot to do. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, when we talk about Christmas, we're really talking about an exercise of faith. Christmas, in its essence of what we believe about Christmas, that a virgin who never knew a man, a 14-year-old girl, being pregnant, impregnated by the Holy Spirit to bear the Christ child, to be born of a virgin who would then go to the cross ultimately for us, for our faith, for our lives. That's really an exercise of what, folks? Faith. Because everybody else would look and say, you're nuts. Are you crazy? It's an exercise of faith. But then all of Christianity is an exercise of faith, isn't it? And from the very beginning in Isaiah's passage, we see that God calls us to faith, to faith of trusting in the promised one. But that's what we're going to talk about today. But to, to kind of set it up for us, you know, if you have a bulletin, 
Uh, on the back, again, we encourage you to fill these out as you go. We're going to talk about, first of all, dark times. We're going to talk about the times we live in. And then how does this prophecy fit into that? We're going to look at that here in a moment. But let's first of all reflect on our dark times that we live in. And folks, if unless you're like the eternal optimist, we live in dark times, don't we? I mean, um, you know, I don't ever remember it being this crazy. It's crazy. So let's notice something. First of all, here's this. The chaos of our world creates instability in your life. The chaos of our world creates instability in your life. That's you gotta you gotta reflect that. You know, I, I can remember some of you are even a lot older than I am. You can remember for those who are from that depression era, you can remember like news came in gradually about stuff. So like you would go to the corner store, what's the news on the war? You know what I'm saying? And you know people would talk about it. Then, you know, we moved up to the era, like I can remember when I was a kid watching Walter Cronkite. Kids are like, who? Everybody knows who Walter Cronkite, if they're older than me or my age. And you watched him because he was America's newsman. You know what I'm saying? And you got your news. And the news only came on, if you remember this, it only came on at 6 o'clock to 6.30 was the local news. And then 6.30 to 7 was the national news. And that was the only news you got unless you got a newspaper. Which, if it was the Clearfield Progress, you didn't get any news in anyhow. You just found out what all the wonderful things are doing happen around town, right? So, and then we moved up into the world when we got Late Night with Ted Koppel. Remember that? And only your parents knew what was happening after 6 up at 11 o'clock. And then we entered into the 80s, and of course CNN entered into the world, and we've had news, literally, you can set your smartphone, and it will send you notifications of the latest stuff that's happening. And so you're aware of everything that's going on. And you know what? All of that, we used to th I used to think that was great. But actually now I've realized it's not that great. Because whether you realize it or not, the chaos of the world creates instability in our own lives. We say, well, that tsunami thing that's happening over in Asia, well, that's terrible, but that's really not effective. Yeah, but if you found out that next week the economy is going to tank and the gas prices are going to go up $4 and your job is thinking about doing a major layoff, and that's all in the business news and everybody, doesn't that affect you? Yeah, it affects us. And then the whole worrying thing about what's happening in the world and all the enemies that are popping up and the terrorism thing and everything, the chaos of our world creates instability in our lives. And some people, some people are more worked up on it than others. And I actually think there's a correlation. The more you're aware of the news, the more worked up you get. So have you visited a nursing home lately? And have you noticed they don't show the news there? 
There's a reason why. Because it's chaos. So here, here's the second thing. The number one casualty in this, in the chaos that's happening around in the world, and even the chaos that's happening in our own lives, okay? The number one casualty is your faith. The number one casualty is your faith. Do you know what I'm saying? The number one casualty is your faith. I mean, all right, we tend not, I tend not to be, and so our church tends not to be very political, but I'm, I'm going to make an observation, okay? This is not a reflection of the political system or even the people who are elected. This is a reflection of our times. So I can remember when Ronald Reagan got elected. Yeah, there were a few people who might have been upset, but it didn't create chaos in the whole world. Or even when Bill Clinton got elected, it didn't create chaos in the whole world. Now, because we've got the chaos and the constant bombardment of the news, it doesn't matter who gets elected, whether it's a governor or a local representative or a president, the end of the world is happening, and everybody thinks the end of the world is happening, and then especially Christians now think, oh, did God abandon us? Really? Have you forgotten Daniel chapter 5? What's in Daniel chapter 5? That he's the one who sets up and takes down kings, gives it to whoever he wants? See, the number one casualty with all of the chaos in our world is what, folks? Our faith. Do we trust God anymore? Now, having said that, he said, okay, George, we came here for a Christmas message. Came here to be encouraged. Boy, that was depressing. Well, to truly understand Christmas, you got to understand the depressing. Do you understand what I'm saying? To truly understand Christmas, you've got to understand the depressing. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, about 3,000 years, before, about a thousand years before the birth of Christ, there's this prophecy about the coming of Christ that's 3,000 years ago. Times weren't any different then. And they had their own chaoses going on. And God was trying to communicate to them what he's trying to communicate to you and I now. And that is, is you don't need to be worried. You don't need to be fearful. I'm your God. I'm in control. I'm watching over you. So I want you to notice with me. Let's look, first of all, just a few verses here. Verse 7, it kind of tells you about the times that they're facing and what they're going through and what the Lord says to them. So first of all, notice it says, It came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, that risen the king of, of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remelah, the king of Israel, went to Jerusalem and made war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told that the house, it was told to the house of David that Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim, so his heart and the heart of his people were moved like the trees of the woods are moved by the wind. All right, so stop for a moment. What's going on here? Well, here in this situation, it's the time of Ahaz, King Ahaz, who was not a godly ruler. 
They're facing oppression from the Syrians as well as from the northern kingdom of Israel. And the people in King Ahaz's heart, they're like really worried about all the chaos that's happening. They're really worried about the threats that are happening around them. And it says that their hearts were like the trees that are blown by the wind. Ever been in the woods when there's like a serious wind going on? And if you noticed that it just, it, those trees may look like they're strong, but then you see them bend in ways you've never thought they would ever bend before. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of like what he's describing here. That's really a good illustration of how we are sometimes with the chaos in our life, right? It's like whatever's happening, we're just kind of like being blown in every direction, not knowing how to react. So I want you to notice as you continue on here, verse 3, here's what the prophet says. The Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz and you and your son, at the end of the aqueduct in the upper pool on the highway to Fuller's Field, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrand, for the fierce anger of resident Syria, Syria and the sons of Ramallah. Here's what I want you to see. We're going to see the Lord's assurance here. He calls them to quiet down, and not be afraid. Here's the first thing God says to me. He says, hey, look, Isaiah, I want you to go meet the king. And when you meet the king, here's what I want you to tell him. Be quiet. Don't freak out. Sound like something we need to hear? Be quiet. What do you mean be quiet? Well, let me ask you something. When we're talking about being quiet here, we're not talking about shouting. We're talking about your spirit. Have you ever had an unquiet spirit? When does it usually happen? In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the difficulties and the struggles that you're going through, in the midst of the things that are you're struggling with your faith, you get all worked up. You ever been worked up? Nobody here gets worked up, right? Okay, nobody gets worked up, right? You get worked up, right? And, and guess what? When you get worked up, one of the things that goes along with getting worked up is a thing called fear. Because you're worked up because you're afraid. What are you afraid of? That something that you think is going to happen happens and, and it's going to be terrible. So guess what? You get more worked up. You get worked up so that you don't sleep at night. You get worked up so that's all you talk about. How's your team doing? Oh, they're doing great. But you got to realize this is going on in my life. I just asked you about your team. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you about my life. That's called getting worked up. So God comes along and he says to Ahaz, be quiet. One of the Psalms says this, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Moses at the Red Sea. Watch. See the, see the glory of God. Be quiet. See, I think some of you, that's the first thing, as you're looking at the chaos that's going on. What's going to happen? What are we going to do with the Russians? What are we going to do with the North Koreans? And what are we going to do with this and that? Be quiet. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
That's the Lord's assurance. Here's, here's what else he says. If you go further down into the passage, you get to verse 9. It says, the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramallah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Look, that, look at that last part. If you will not believe, surely you will not be established. Here's what he's saying. He tells them that without faith, there is no security. So, remember I told you the number one casualty that happens in your life when the chaos is going on, when you get all worked up about all the stuff that's going on in the world and all the stuff that's happening in your family and all the stuff that's happening in life and this, that, or another, and you're uptight, upset, fearful. God's telling you to be quiet. Don't be afraid. He's telling you right now, listen, if you don't have faith, there's no security. There's nothing to hold on to when you're in the midst of what you're going through. Did you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing to hold on to when you're in the midst of the stuff that's happening. So guess what happens? You get more worked up and you get more afraid. And you start reacting. That's what he's telling Ahaz here. So God does something interesting. Wouldn't you like this? We ask for these kind of things. Have you noticed that? God, show me a sign. How many of you have ever done that? Show me what I'm supposed to do. There's one honest man in the back. The rest of you are like, I don't know if I should ask that. Some preacher told me not to ask for one. Be honest. Have you asked for, I've asked for a sign. Now, how many of you have asked for a sign? Okay, now we've got some honest people, okay? You ever asked for a sign? I have. So God comes along to Ahaz, and he offers him a sign. Look at verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz and said, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Real spiritual, isn't it? Then you look at the next verse. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, it's a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Here's what I want you to see. What's going on here is the issue of rejection. Rejection. We've got to be careful because we get here sometimes. Two things I'm going to show you here that can happen because you're in the midst of the chaos. God's telling you to have faith because if you don't have faith, you have instability. But God comes along and says, look, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Trust me. Well, here's what happens. Here's what Ahaz did, okay? Because Ahaz is acting spiritual, but he's not. Two things I want you to see here in this issue of rejection. Religion is a good cover for unbelief. Religion is a good cover for unbelief. Do you hear me? Religion. Saying the right stuff. Doing the right stuff. Is a good cover for lacking faith and really not believing. That's the bottom line. In fact, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I when I became a believer, I went to a little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina. 
I was a college student, and, and I got introduced to something that I would later know as legalism. You know what legalism is, folks? Okay, a lot of you know that. You've experienced it. Legalism where, okay, you had to have the right Bible, have the right haircut, have the right suit, and uh, you know, go to the right places and not go to the right places, and, and, and all of that. And I realized that all of that religious, and that's what it is, religious activity, it was a good cover for two things. Number one, unbelief and sin. What do you mean, unbelief and sin? Well, unbelief, it's a good cover. As long as I'm doing all this stuff, I'm doing okay. I don't really need to believe. I'm just doing okay. The other thing is sin. I've realized through time as I've gotten older that it's really easy to cover up the junk in your own life by focusing on what everybody else should be doing and trying to act like you're doing it. And you don't have to address the real issues of your heart. And see, that's what's going on with Ahaz here. Ahaz, to be honest with you, doesn't believe in the Lord. The scripture tells you that. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. David's son. But he covered it up. The, the God, I mean, what would you do if, if the prophet came to you and said, God wants you to pick a sign. He wants to show you that he's there with you. Oh, uh, he doesn't need to do that for me. I won't ask. I won't test him. Really? Million bucks right now, Lord, on that table. Did you know what I'm saying? We've got a roof to take care of. I mean, you, you, boy, what are you focused on, George? What are you focused on? What did you just decide in your mind that you wanted God to do for you? Religion is a good cover for unbelief. Here's the second thing I want you to see here. Unbelief is nothing more than the rejection of God. Unbelief is nothing more than the rejection of God. When Ahaz says, oh, I don't want to ask him of anything, I will not test the Lord, why do you think God then responds, how it's nothing for you to weary men, but would you weary God? I mean, are you serious? It's, it's, it's one thing for you to do that with people, but would you do that to God, is what God is saying here to Ahaz? Because it's nothing more than you rejecting me, that you would not allow me to do something for you. It's nothing more than that. Okay, so you're, you say, okay, wait a minute, George, all right, all right, I got this. Got this chaos in the world, and I've got this understanding that it affects my faith, and and, all right, and so we see God coming along, and He's saying to us, "Be quiet," and He's telling us to not be afraid, and and that without faith, there's no instability in my. Okay, you, I'm up with you there. What does this stuff right now about religion and unbelief? What does that got to do with anything? Uh, to be honest with you, that's where the rubber meets the road. Because it's what you do with the crisis in your life. See, when you're faced with it, you have a choice to make. God says, be quiet, don't be afraid, have faith, because without faith you're not going to be stable. And I'm going to do something in your life, but you just trust me. The problem is, though, you come to, you and I, I'm right there with you, okay? Because I have to make the same decisions as you do. You have to decide 
Am I going to trust him to get me through this? Am I going to trust him to get me through this? Or am I going to have unbelief? Because unbelief is, let's be honest with what it is, unbelief is nothing more than what, folks? Rejecting God. You know, I shared with you last time about my experience of uh, the car thing on the way out to an airport. You know, I, I have uh, amazing things happen when I go on trips places. So uh, one time, this has been probably 10 years ago, uh, I was asked to go to a board meeting in Palm Springs, California. It was uh, just in January and never been to California, never had a desire to go to California, so they flew me out to California. Got on a plane in Pittsburgh. This is back when U.S. Air actually flew out of somewhere, you know, and flew out of Pittsburgh and got on a plane, and, and, we, uh, and we were delayed taking off because, of course, it's January, February, and guess what happens in Pennsylvania in January and February? We have white stuff. You know, it's manna from heaven, right? No, it's snow, and so they had to de-ice the plane, and so we're flying, I had to catch a flight from Pittsburgh all the way to Phoenix and then from Phoenix to Palm Springs. And for some reason, I don't know if the, if the pilot just thought that he could just be lazy and take it easy and coast a little bit or whatever. The realization is, is we're going to land and the gate we're landing at is on one end of the airport and the gate of my flight that's taken off in 20 minutes is on the other end of the airport. And I'm going to have to run. And you know you can look at me that I am not athletic. And by the time we got to the gate, and I'm taking my bags and everything, I'm thinking, I'm going to miss that flight. And that's the only flight from there to Palm Springs that i got to be at that board meeting. So guess what I do, folks, because you know me by now, right? What do I do? No, I didn't call. I didn't have a cell phone at that time. <laughs> I didn't have no cell phone. That was before I carried a cell phone. But I'm panicking. I'm like, and, I'm, and you know what? Because of the seat they got me, I'm in the back of the plane waiting to get off. And you're like, come on, come on. I got to get going. You know, and, and I'm running. I mean, I'm running the marathon. I'm about to having a stroke trying to get there. And I get there, and they haven't even boarded yet. And there's another guy who's on the board with me who I went, who was a roommate of mine in seminary. And he says, wow, that was freaky, wasn't it? I said, yeah, man, I just ran all the way here. I almost missed this flight. He said, "There, no, you, you don't know what happened, did you? And I said, well, my flight was late because of de-icing. He said, no, you don't, you don't have any clue what happened to you. And I said, no. He said, they just evacuated the entire airport an hour ago and had everybody go through security again because of a bomb threat. So all the flights are an hour later now. You think God's in control? I mean, I didn't have to do that running. Did, think about the stuff we do. What was going on? I didn't believe my God enough to get me on a flight to where I needed to be. So it's real. What we're talking about here with rejection, it's real, isn't it? 
It's about what we believe when we're in the midst of the stuff that we're going through, right? So I want you to notice something. The Lord's promise. So this is where Christmas comes into. The Lord's promise. Verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Folks, that's the prophecy of what we're celebrating this week, right? That prophecy of that sign, that sign of the child who would come was to be given as an assurance in the midst of chaos. And that baby did come, didn't he? And that baby showed himself when he grew up to be God, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, who sits at the right hand of Father, and, and everything is in authority to him, including the stuff that you're going through. So here's two things I want you to see here. Number one, God acts in spite of our unbelief. God acts in spite of their unbelief. God acts. Look, look Ahaz is the one, oh, I'm not going to test him. Oh, I, I don't need a sign from him. God says, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to do this because even if you don't want me to do it, even if you don't want to believe me to do it, I'm going to give you the sign. Isn't that awesome that even though you and I struggle with unbelief and, and faith, because we do struggle there, don't we, right? Isn't it awesome to know that God still says, well, you know what, yeah, they're having a, I'm still going to do it. For them, I'm still going to do it. Because what did he do? This, this prophecy was given for everybody, right? So that we could see the Christ child come and what? Bring us salvation. God acts in spite of their unbelief. God acts in spite of our unbelief. Here, here's the second thing I want you to see here. And that is God will provide the answer to their dark times. When you go on a little bit further there, verse 15 through 17, God says, you know what, those folks you're worried about, they're not even going to be an issue here in a few years. They're not even going to be an issue. He provides the answers. Okay, all right. I want everybody to think with me for a moment. I want you to go back five years. Okay, can you think back five years? Some of you are like, no, I can't think back last week, George. Okay. Try to think back five years. Five years ago, I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think about whatever it was that you were so worried about five years ago. That was eating your lunch. That was keeping you awake at night. Five years ago. Think about it. Did you get through it? Did God get you through it? Yeah, yeah, he got you through it. So here you are. Will he get you through it? He's the one who provides the answers. Did you understand what I'm saying? He's the one who provides the answers. God will provide the answer to the dark times. So, okay, so here we are. We're turning on the news, and we're watching a chaos in our families, and we're watching a chaos in our community. And, folks, there is chaos happening in our community, right? I mean, seriously, there's a lot of chaos happening. I mean, it's different than 10 years ago in our community right now. I mean, there's not a family that's not being touched 
by the drug issue. Not a family. It is wrecking havoc. Wrecking havoc around us. Our friends and our families are going through it. It's affecting all of us. Well, you say, well, I don't have anybody who's dealing with it. Yeah, but maybe you just got your car robbed. Or somebody broke into your shed and took something. That's affecting everybody, right? And it was like, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? We're locking up houses that we used to not hock up before, and we're making sure that the doors are locked. I mean, what, what are we going to God provides answers, folks. We've got to put our trust to ask God to help us through these things, right? Right? This is reality. The issue is faith. Where's your faith? So let me give you a couple of thoughts to think about as we leave here and get ready to go continue to, if we're going to do that going to the mall or if we're going to have fun with our families. Here's two things. It's time to quit living from one crisis to another. Jeremy? It's time to quit living from one crisis to another. If you have Jesus Christ, you need to stop living from one crisis to another. Because that's where some of us are at, right? We're in the midst of it. We're already anticipating what's coming down the road. It's time to quit living from one crisis to another. By the way, just get used to it. It's going to happen. So enjoy life right now. Quit living from one crisis to another. Live by faith. Thank him for the day that he's given you what today. It's time to quit living from one crisis to another. Here's the second one. You have to place your faith in the promised one. You know what? I, I'm a big fan of Christmas. Okay? I'm a big fan of Christmas. I'm a big fan of family gatherings. I'm a big fan of, of the uh, food. Okay? I'm a, which I have to change that. Okay? No, you're, I'm serious. I was just told. i got to change that. So um, I'm a big fan of getting with family. And I'm a big fan of Christmas morning and watching my kids open up their gifts and seeing what they should wanted. You know what I'm saying? And... I'm a big fan of Dirty Santa games, watching people's faces go into shock when somebody takes their gift away. You know, I'm a big fan of all of that. I'm a big fan of the season. But you know what? And, and so are you, right? You enjoy this time of year. But okay, let's stop for a moment. There's a greater reality. The greater reality that we are trying to remember through all the celebrations exists every day beyond December. And that is that Jesus Christ came and he died for you and he gave you a new life and he gave you hope and he gave you stability and security in the midst of the chaos and he gives you hope later for what is coming when you go to be with him. That's what you got to remember. You have to place your faith in the promised one. No matter how dark it gets. No matter how dark it gets. Let me pray for you.